Hey friend, do you have ADHD? Maybe, maybe not. It really doesn't matter because either way, you're so welcome here. Whether it's you or someone you live with that has the squirrely brain, I'm here to help. On this show, we'll be sharing perspective shifts and hacks and systems and routines that all work for people of all ages with neurodivergent brains. I spent the last almost decade working with students as a special education teacher and navigating my own ADHD. Whether you want someone to hold space for you or you want the tactical, tangible strategies, you're in the right place. I'm going to help you learn to let it be easy, work with your unique strengths, and move from scattered to simplified. And we're doing it all with positive perspective, self-compassion, and a whole lot of God's grace. Let's do this. Hey there, you beautiful human. Today we are here with Emily Lewis, and I can't even believe it. I thought she was on the show previously. We've talked so much over the years, and over the years, it's been a year. <laughs> um, but we've talked about having her on, and I literally thought that she had been here before. Um, but I think it's just because I, it's probably because I read all of your stuff on Instagram. Like you are one of the few people I do closely follow. And so I just feel like I talk to you regularly, but apparently I don't, (laughs) but she is finally here today. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Yeah. Um, I call myself a worthiness and confidence coach. I believe that when we know who we are, that we're loved, that that gives us the ultimate confidence boost. Um, and a lot of times what happens is we have to work through shame and stories and messages we've gotten from church or culture or our own experiences that have made us feel less than and made us make an agreement with those beliefs that we are actually less than. So we have to untangle those so that we can feel safe and worthy and then go go do the thing that we were created to do or rest from trying to prove something and this is absolutely born out of my own story so if you hear me talking about like striving and trying to prove or trying to um, control what other people think it's absolutely because that's where I've been so it is such a gift to help people off of the performance hamster wheel and to just be because that's enough Yes. I love that. I have been trying to focus more on this season of like less doing and more being. And it's a really hard shift to make, especially in our society where everything's like, go, 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 go. Um, so would you want to tell us a little bit about your story? So we understand a little bit more about how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the main influence in my story was church. This might be different for you. It might be something like like your family or school or that you're a firstborn or that you're a high achiever <laughs> or whatever. But for me, it was um, kind of a mix of, what's it called? Nature and nurture. Mm-hmm. So I am a high achiever. And then I was given this list of rules to follow in order to keep people happy and to be accepted by my community. And then that list also applied to God. So it was my job to keep everybody happy by following this list. And the reason I say it was my job to keep people happy is because it was my job to control whether or not I was accepted. And we are created with this need for belonging. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we shame ourselves for 
being desperate for love or really wanting to fit in or wanting to be accepted, but it's natural. It's how we've been created, but sometimes it comes out in really wonky ways that we're trying to gain that acceptance, whether it's your performance or trying to fit in or whatnot. So I did tried really hard because I'm an achiever. So you give me a list. I'm going to try to nail it. (laughs) Right. It was exhausting though. There wasn't a break. You can't take a break. And I rode really high highs of arrogance and like, maybe I've got this and really low lows of defeat. And we have to get off of that cycle. Um, I think it, is Nicole Zazowski. I don't know if you follow her, but she, um, she wrote a book called what if it's wonderful, but she Mm -hmm. has a quote that, um, peace doesn't come when we hit our goal or achieve the thing. Mm -hmm. Peace comes when we break the measuring stick. Mm -hmm. We have to break that measuring stick in order to find peace with ourselves, even peace with God, peace with other people and get off of that. So, my, in my story, um, I had a faith crisis. I was basically mm-hmm. gifted one, and I finally was able to start asking questions. And in those questions, I was so shocked that God wasn't frustrated with me. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't threatening to walk away, even though people were right. threatening to walk away if, you know, you don't line up. Yeah. And that was so incredibly freeing. Like I didn't have to check the boxes anymore mm-hmm. because I was already loved. And that's why I love helping people just realize how deeply not loved and known that they are mm-hmm. already um, without trying to prove something. Love that so much. I love that you were used the word known too. I've, I think I mentioned this in an interview I did recently, but it won't be out until the fall. Um, and I was part of a Bible study a few months back and it was like a whole thing. So I'm not going to go into like all the details cause we'll be here forever. But essentially at the end of all of it, it was about like learning to listen to God and they gave you different questions and stuff to ask God. And you would like, you know, just kind of sit. And I, I was always like doodling while I was sitting and I would just like draw what was coming to mind while I was ready while I was waiting or like write words that came to my mind and one of them was known and it was after I asked God what he wanted me to know about the way he sees me and it just like wrecked me and then it made this connection to this podcast because of how many women I've had that messaged me saying oh my gosh your podcast makes me feel so seen makes me feel so understood makes me feel so heard and I was like I didn't have any of that when I was navigating all of this, you know, like I had so many negatives about my identity of like, oh, like I'm just a bad friend because I can't keep up with people and I'm always late and all of this and like all of these identity pieces that weren't true. And I've unraveled so much of that over the last couple of years. And so then to get messages where like, he's using my voice to make other people feel known. And then you come in here and you throw around the word known. And I love that. And you're so right. Um, and I also heard something recently about peace. Isn't like everything around you is okay. It's that even when everything around you is not, you are because you have that deeper knowing that that stillness, that relationship with God, all of that. So I just Mm -hmm. love all of that. Yeah. I think it's a Timothy Keller quote, something like, I'm definitely not going to say it exactly, but (laughs) that our 
deepest fear is to be known and not loved. Mm -hmm. And then our greatest joy is to be known and loved. Yeah. Because we hide. We hide behind the masks of performance or we hide behind um, just staying home or we hide behind pieces of our personality that we know are a little bit more, quote unquote, acceptable. Right. Right. And it's almost just a, a, a posture of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Have you ever walked into a room and you desperately want someone to see you? You desperately want to be noticed, but then you kind of feel your whole being shrinking back. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm also afraid to be seen in this moment. I'm mm-hmm. afraid of this vulnerability. This is scary. And a lot of times we're walking that tension of mm-hmm. wanting to be known, but the false safety of mm. avoiding connection mm. and avoiding vulnerability mm. um, is very tempting. Yeah, I love it. It's a false security because it is. It's such a lie. Because when you think about it, like, who in your life loves you the most? Your husband, your kids, your parents, probably. I know that's different for everybody. But typically, it's the people that are in our innermost circle that know us so fully compared to everyone else and they love us and they accept us and we're enough for them but then for whatever reason when we're out around other people we feel like we can't be ourselves because we're not going to be loved but like how backwards is that it's like the people who love you the most know you the most but you're right it's because that connection that it, it requires vulnerability and a lot of people are scared to be vulnerable I also learned that um like avoiding vulnerability and stuff, it comes along with a trauma response because when people feel vulnerable, they can have a trauma response because whenever you are in whatever that traumatic thing is, you were vulnerable in that situation. And so for some people, it can come up that way. And I just find that really interesting that that isn't like common knowledge. Like we never talked about that when I was a teacher about like why kids might be behaving the way they are behaving and sometimes it's because what you're doing is making them feel vulnerable. And I'm like, wow, mind blown. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, my five-year-old, one of my five-year-olds, because I have twins in the middle, but she hides from me. She does not like have to have a conversation when she's done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, it's hard to walk that line of like giving her her space and like forcing her to not run away from hard things Yeah, and be yeah. willing to tell me like yesterday we had to have a conversation about hey why did you do that why did you run away why did you hide are you afraid i'm gonna yell at you are you afraid that like something's gonna happen and we had a really good conversation but it's that perception or that fear that makes us want to run away from being seen um or from from being from being noticed that we aren't perfect Mm. that's basically what it is Mm -hmm. We want to present this like facade of ourselves because we think somehow that version of ourselves is easier to love Mm. than the real us. So good. Okay. So I know that you've mentioned a a little bit about this um, hamster wheel of, what was it? Of of performance. Performance. I wanted to say productivity and I'm like, that is not the right word. (laughs) Yeah. Will you tell us a little (laughs) bit more about this hamster wheel of performance? Yeah, yeah. So at the beginning, I mentioned like high highs and low lows. And if we put this like in a in a circle in your mind, mm-hmm. where 
um, performing is at the top and defeat is at the bottom. Like, why do we do this? Um, we do this out of fear. We do this to protect ourselves. We do this to present a certain version of ourselves. We do this um, to like feel like we have it all together, feel like we're kind of in control of situations. And we, we perform whatever that looks like for you. We do the things that we're supposed to do. We check the boxes. We don't let people in our vulnerabilities. We just want to look like we have it all together. Mm-hmm. That's that high. And this works. This is the tricky thing is mm. some of our bad coping mechanisms, yep. like they work yep. at least part of the time until they don't right. until like the uh, other side of this performance wheel, as we start to come down happens when we get like triggered or something stops working, the work that we're putting in doesn't bring us the desired result, um, and then we fall into defeat. And we can stay down here. Sometimes this happens like it within, you know, 20 minutes. Sometimes it happens over the course of a couple of weeks, depending mm-hmm. on the activity. So we get stuck in this <clears throat> defeat spot where we would rather just not take action. Maybe mm-hmm. I won't ever figure this out. I'm not going to do it. You know, all of the the mental loops that go on in our mind. And I look at this performance pattern as our desire to outwork our own inner critic too, not mm-hmm. just what other people think, yeah. but we're trying to outwork our own insecurities. And in this spot, in the defeat spot, our insecurities are screaming so loudly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is the motivation it takes for us to just muster it up to try harder next time. And that's that performance mm-hmm. loop where we're just, we're defeated but the way that we feel like we can silence that inner critic that we're not good enough or that we're never going to figure it out or whatnot is to just work harder mm. and then we perpetuate this loop. So mm. if we want off, if we want off, I think you talk a lot about like shame cycles. If we want off of the shame cycle, we have to break our agreement with the lie of, the, of that insecurity. Yeah, We have to create new belief. And that might look simple like, and I don't mean like more accessible, but sometimes it's still hard. Right. Just, just affirmations. We need to identify what is like, do the work to identify what the belief, the foundational belief, what's the story? Where did that come from? Where does it show up in your, um, in your life? Where have you seen it before? Yeah. And create new beliefs, whether it's affirmations. I absolutely love borrowing belief from other people, mm. whether that's a friend, a mentor, or a coach hire someone this can be someone that is a resource for you and that you pay or can be someone that is just in your life either way but borrow belief from somebody who believes in you Mm. um that's so good yeah and then we can start to shape new beliefs and that way when we catch ourselves on this performance loop we go wait a second i don't believe that anymore Mm. and then we can get off more quickly I love that. You know, the image and I'm laughing because I'm wondering if this came up in anyone else's mind. So like I see the hamster wheel, right? And I see this hamster and then all I see is the hamster like tripping and like literally like being stuck and like flipping around the entire wheel and then being like, oh crap, I can get up again. I can do it and like start running again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that has been so me in so many different situations where you're right. I'm like, oh, I'm not measuring up. I just got to work harder. I got to figure this out. And the thing is, for a lot of people with ADHD, and this depends on like how long the cycle is, right? 
But a lot of times when they focus harder on something and they try harder, the prefrontal cortex of your brain, the part that's like in charge of focus, literally goes offline. Like because the stress of like, I'm gonna figure this out, it it takes you offline and then you can't focus. All of your logical reasoning and problem solving skills go offline and then you end up even more frustrated because then you end up in that shame cycle of like, see, I knew I couldn't do this. I'm just so dumb. I'm not consistent. I'm not this blah, blah, blah. And you end up in that whole, all of these lies. So I love that you're talking about like, we have to recognize that we're on this hamster wheel and then actively decide I want to get off and then identifying what that lie was, that insecurity or whatever that kept you there to begin with. So you can start like uprooting those lies and replacing them with truth. Love that. Do you have anything else that's like really tactical about how to move out of that space and like step back into that truth? Mm. Yeah. And I think this is something that we don't like, but I think (laughs) you need to stop something. You Mm. need to quit. Mm. And when I talk to people in like faith spaces, this is tricky because we get our identity wrapped up in our spiritual practices Mm. or as moms we get our identity wrapped up in how happy your kids are right or how clean how much you're doing for them Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so you need to stop something you need to this is the like the physical manifestation of you believing that you're already enough and even if you don't quite believe it yet quit something Mm. something that's even good but it's not serving you. It's mm. keeping you looking at that thing going. Am I, it's like you're racing it. Like, mm. am I keeping up? Am I doing this thing? And you have to let that thing go. You have to let it beat you mm. in a sense, right? Yeah. If we're talking race and you just need to stop because that rest is where we start to make new agreements. But rest is scary and rest is one of the most vulnerable things that we can do. Because when we're trying to outwork our inner critic or those those insecurities, they're a little quieter. But when we stop, they are loud. Mm. And it feels really intimidating to stop and slow down. So I will say it's not super easy, but it's simple. Mm-hmm. Um, look at your calendar. Maybe you write it all out, all of your commitments. I don't know. Or you like think through all of the things that you're making yourself do and just quit something. And that practice of stopping and forcing yourself to have space um, makes you um, create a new agreement with um, the new belief that you're um, creating that you are already enough. And I think if people can shift that perspective of like, because here's the thing, when we're doing too much, we're not doing any of it well anyway, right? So you probably already feel like you're quote unquote failing at some of these things. So if you actively choose, I'm going to set this one aside. And if like the word quit triggers you, like I'm going to set this one aside for this season. Like you make the choice to not keep losing to all of the things, but you get to be the one to be in control of like, I'm going to set this aside so I can really focus on these things instead. I think along with this, this is probably one of those areas where having an outside person, a coach of some sort would be really helpful because If you're going to your spouse or your mom or whatever and you're telling them all these things that are on your plate and trying to figure out what you can set down, they're going to have a biased opinion about what you should set down because some of those things impact them. Whereas someone who's an outsider can be like, 
they can navigate each of those things with you and figure out is it actually serving you and is it necessary I talk a lot about um like when we're juggling things like some of the items that we're juggling are made of glass they have to stay up and some are plastic and they can fall and it's fine so like identifying what are those things that are glass what's going to completely fall apart if you set it aside and what is more of like an optional option choice an optional choice Mm -hmm. but yeah those optional choices uh could be heavily influenced depending on who you're talking to yeah I love that it's super smart um okay so I know we're getting closer to the end is there anything that we haven't covered that has been like popping up in your head that you want to make sure is said or addressed yeah so when we think about your enoughness if I can use that word, I like that. which I love. Um, there's a reason you don't feel like you're enough. And we kind of touched on it, but it takes work to get down to that belief and figure out where did that come from? Some of you, you know where it came from. You're right. like, oh, I know this story. I've heard this story. I got to the bottom of this story. I know what it is. Um, but if you have um, a pattern I want to, I want to help you identify this pattern of not feeling enough and give you permission to work through the fear um, because we're afraid to let this go. We're afraid to let the measuring stick go. Cause what if we're wrong and what if we need this in order to be enough? Right. And as, especially in faith spaces, um, a lot of faith spaces teach us that we're not enough, mm-hmm. teach us that we're not worthy. So we can get tangled up with our perception of God and be like, Am I allowed to be enough? Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to un? Am I allowed to let this go? And I want to give you permission to to think about the possibility of letting it go. What would that look like? What would that feel like? What is what is the character of who God is in that moment? Let God meet you in that space. Let Him sit with you and give you so much um comfort and see what comes up and that harsh voice that is condescending and condemning isn't god's that was an inner critic that you were taught to carry Mm -hmm. um from religious spaces so maybe um it is from faith and i want to give you permission to consider that you really are enough and you can let it go so that brings up brings up things for you dig into it Um, there's other places that this comes from absolutely whether it's academics or just trying to measure up or wanting to fit in Um, if your brain is really squirrely and you're like why the heck can I not figure this out like there's so many places that shame can come but give yourself the permission to to explore that maybe the assumption that you're not enough is wrong oh I love that maybe the assumption that you're not enough is wrong let's just like sit in that for a second if that brought up some feels for you I want you guys to like spend some time journaling today or at least thinking about it like mull over this conversation in your head maybe come back to it maybe go listen to some of Emily's podcast because I know it's full of grace over there um I mean it's literally called abundant grace right yeah Mm -hmm. so emily has her own podcast as i just said it's called abundant grace where else can everybody find you do you have anything that you want to share with them today give us all of the things yeah i would love for you guys to go grab my worthiness meditation so when we talk about borrowing belief sometimes it's just really helpful to listen to somebody else Mm -hmm. and maybe you already know this hack but you can 
pull up I am affirmations or whatnot, but this is curated for you to help you remember that you're already worthy. So go to yourrelationshipwithgod.com forward slash meditation, and then you can put your name and email and it will take you directly to the meditation. And if you grab that, bookmark it so that you can go back to it. This isn't something that we need once. If this is something that we are maybe in life or even just in this season working on, we're going to need these reminders over and over and over again. That's why daily affirmations work because mm-hmm. we are repeating things. So for the days where you're in a hurry or the days that you really don't believe it, have somebody else speak this truth over you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one resource I have. And then I would love to connect with you on Instagram and my podcast. So my Instagram handle is emily.abundantgrace. And then the podcast is Abundant Grace. Awesome. And we will have everything linked in the episode description. Also, like once you listen to her meditation, if there are some pieces, like put some of those quotes, put them on sticky notes, put them in your mirror in the bathroom. Like you're probably in there. I hope you're brushing your teeth twice a day. You can get four-ish minutes of like renewing your mind without even doing anything extra, right? Like, and it, it will sink into your brain. We had them on our mirror for a while and I would do them with my toddler and she'd love them. And it did not take her long to remember them. So if a two and a half year old, she was only two and a half at the time. If she can do it, so can you. I hope that you guys found this episode freeing and full of grace. Why would it be full of anything else, right? We have Emily from Abundant Grace here. Everything will be linked in the episode description. Thanks for listening to another episode. And thank you, Emily, for being here. Thanks, Jessica. I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Bye.